All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. Our special guest is Hillary Ferrara. Hillary has been leading grassroots efforts in the cannabis space since 2019 in the state of Florida. With a background in sales and marketing directly to cannabis consumers, Hillary uses her experience and product knowledge to spread awareness and educate everyone she meets. Her excitement to help people truly understand the benefits of cannabis and plant medicine is what keeps her ahead of trends and fads in the industry and grounded in the science behind the flower. Hillary's personal experience with cannabis and plant-based medicine had a huge impact on her past and helped shape her outlook for the future. Hillary has developed long-lasting relationships with cannabis physicians, dispensaries, growers, and influencers across the state of Florida and internationally. Having worked in corporate cannabis and mom and pop farms, Hillary understands the business side of cannabis and how educating users has a direct impact on the sales. Hillary is a Jacksonville, Florida native and is looking forward to the future with her fiance, Mark, and their beautiful daughter. And their, excuse me, their beautiful daughter. So from Jacksonville, Florida, Hillary, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I, I haven't been able to work out, so I got to work out in this morning and it feels good. I'm tired, but it feels good. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's nothing better than that feeling though. Accomplished. I dig it. I dig it. So I really appreciate your time because I know you have a house full of kids and you're trying to make space to do this without all the noise. So I thank you very much, Hillary. No, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I've listened to a few of your podcasts prior, um, and I just love everything that you're doing in this space. So thank you. Well, I think what you're doing with, so a past, a past episode I did with CBD chef, Mary, Mary Adams mm-hmm. is how I connected with you because you work for relevant, right? Yes, I do. And you've been in the cannabis space for, for a while. And I want to ask you, you know, you know what? We're doing this a little bit differently, Hillary. So I'm trying to do something that you can see me and I can't see you. Nobody can see either of us, but they can definitely hear us. And, yes. uh, <laughs> and it's different. It's different when we're doing it like this, but it's going to, we're going to roll with it. And I am trying to find something right now. Hold on one second. I apologize. No, but you're totally fine. There was something that uh, I was going to ask you about. And it was interesting as I was reading your, your bio and you mentioned your past and your future and mm. those two things, I want to, I want to get to those, but I want to get to those a little bit later. I want to talk about what you're doing with, with what uh, all, because you have many things going on, you have, <laughs> yes. you have several hats on. So can you start talking to us about those hats? Yes, of course. Um, I definitely am always doing multiple things. I, you know, constantly going. I try to kind of keep myself still, but it doesn't happen. Um, So some of the few things that I'm doing really is one, um, focusing on patients here in the state of Florida, um, as well as these dispensaries, Um, and not only educating around the plant, but also helping with the censorship. Censorship is huge right now. Um, A lot of patients, when they try to advocate for themselves or tell their story, or to even inform other patients and individuals, they're being shut down, they're being shadow banned and vice versa for these dispensaries, Um, not being able to share with the community what's going on um, or any type of promotions. And so really I'm focusing on bringing 
a space that's safe where people can tell their stories as well as promote their businesses. Um, and then again, just really focusing on the quality here in Florida and educating patients and letting them know, you know, these are the dispensaries you can rely on for quality medicine. Um, these are local businesses you can rely on for hemp. Um, and so just building space around that, I, I wanna do as much as I can uh, for the patients here in the state of Florida. Um, and that also falls into the events that I try to stay involved with as well. So I have a few different things going on. And yeah, that is. And, and I've been in, so I was, you may not know this about me, but I was, uh, I was active duty Coast Guard and I lived in Florida. I was my first, my first time living in Florida was in Key West, actually. It was great. It was a fun time. And then I lived in Tampa Bay and where I am now from 2007, 2010. And we recently returned uh, last year, actually, in, in the spring of 2021. And um, it is, I was surprised Florida actually had a medical marijuana program. When, when I, when I heard about it coming out in the late 2010s, I was like, wow, this is, I'm surprised Florida is doing it. Were you surprised or, I mean, what were your thoughts about it as the, when you, when you're starting to hear about these things rolling out in Florida? I was shocked. Um, I was really excited. I was thirsty for more knowledge around it and what that would look like. Um, but for a long time, I didn't think uh, we would get there just because, you know, we are, you know, under the Bible belt and this is a place for a lot of retirement. Uh, and so that comes with, um, you know, at that era of the stigma of cannabis and it being pushed as the devil's <laughs> lettuce. So, uh, you know, I was definitely shocked um, and nervous if it would go through, but I'll never forget the day it did. I was uh, in Delray Beach, uh, standing on my balcony, watching the news. Uh, and as soon as they announced it, I mean, it makes me emotional now. I dropped to my knees and I mean, I just started crying and yelling. I was so excited because, you know, this medicine truly has blessed my life and helped and changed me. And I just wanted to see that for everybody. So that was probably one of the best days in my life was seeing that happen for Florida, you know? That's cool. That's cool. I, I heard about it and I was, I was, like I said, I was really surprised. And, but I was also really thankful too, just like you were. I was like, I was like really thankful because I was thinking people are getting, see, there was something that you said that, that, um, that when you said there's a lot of seniors down here because it's warm, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, I think that that can go, I think the stigma can go two ways on that one, right? There could be the stigma that you're talking about, the one that's like, get that devil's lettuce out of here. I don't want, I don't want to smell that stuff. I don't want to, you don't want it legal in my state when I'm down there for the, the winter months. And, and a lot of people are coming down here to escape pain. Yep. And that's where I think a lot of seniors are or maybe not a lot. I can't say for sure because I don't know. I'm not looking at anything. No, there. yeah. Our the biggest, the biggest um consumers here in the state of Florida are seniors. That was what was so surprising to me when we finally right, yeah. did. Uh, you know, the majority of the consumers and patients are seniors. So and that was pretty cool. And this is what's funny to me about, and this is why it's like Florida is a wild state. I mean, oh yeah, a wild state. And that's what that's what's kind of funny about it being so conservative at the same time. Polit I should say politically conservative. Mm -hmm. because it's a wild state. It's a wild state. There's, and I think every state is wild, but Florida. You We're know, like the wild, wild west. It is. It's like Florida <laughs> and Texas. And it's like, it's, it's, it's these, these Gulf of Mexico country states. It's, it's pretty wild. So 
Okay. So, <laughs> so I was, I was, I was happily surprised that Florida did it, but I could also see that, that they, they saw the writing on the wall and they were like, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of money in this coming up. And I'm glad they took advantage of it earlier. And um, yeah. yeah. So um, you had said something, see, this is, this is the hard thing sometimes that I run into Hillary is that I want to jump to the second half of the conversation sometimes too early, I should say, where it's like, oh, why? Because you said your past and future when I was reading your bio, and that's why I was like, wow, she's got an understanding of herself that is, that is, uh, that is, un- that, that is noticeable. And I want to get to that. But before that, what was it? How did, do you want to, can you tell to us about how you came to use cannabis as medicine? Absolutely. Um, so most of my life from the age of seven to 17, I was put on prescription pills, um, you know, probably about three at a time, three to four, just depend on the season. Um, and it was a living nightmare, you know, it was a cycle of trying to figure out what was going to work and bumping milligrams. And, you know, I really suffered with mental health, um, and this, you know, invisible pain that no one could figure out. Um, and so, I would guess I would, you know, the first time medicinally, like truly using it for relief and understanding was uh, 2016 um, when I got my medical card. And I'll never forget going to the dispensary at the time. It was like the only one in Jacksonville, Florida, and it was true leave. And um, I remember going in there and it was very basic. There was only a few options, you know, sativa hybrid indica. And I remember them educating me and telling me, um, and it just blew my mind, you know, cause I had no idea. Cause part of that, you know, I smoked it. I knew it helped a little bit, but I didn't understand. Um, and so, you know, in 2016, it really rocked me when I understood, you know, that there's terpenes and other ways to take cannabis for relief. Um, and so after about a year and a half of journaling, educating, and just really tapping into my body then was I able to come off every prescription pill I ever was on and I have not looked back. Um, And so that was really the first time in my life medicinally taking advantage of this beautiful plant that were offered. That's pretty cool. And that's a pretty, that's a lot to go through when you're that age. Oh yeah. As early as seven years old is when medication started. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's early. I got a, I got a seven year old. He's the youngest of our three. And, and yeah, that's, I can't imagine that being easy at all. And I think there's a lot of people that, that can relate to that. I think a lot of people that can relate to that for themselves or be for their children or somebody they do know for sure. So thanks. I appreciate it. Of course. You know, I just want to add on, I think um, the hardest part about all of that was when coming off of it and learning new coping skills and how I was going to move forward. And so Um, I just want to make it clear. I didn't substitute prescription with cannabis. I learned to take therapy tools and positive talk therapy and incorporate it with the cannabis to help keep evolving and bettering myself as well as getting the relief. Right on, right on. All right. Now I, sometimes I also want to jump around with questions too, and I don't want to do that to you. So I'm looking at the, (laughs) I follow the questions that I definitely gave you. So, and we kind of touched on it kind of touched on it just now and, and um with stigma so yeah. you were saying that most of the patients in florida are senior citizens what have you observed about stigma across the state of florida 
just your observations. Yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely still alive and present. Um, hey, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. Can you hear the rain in the background? No, I can't I actually. That's really good. Okay. If you, <laughs> if thank you, you can. for asking, Hillary. I appreciate the yes. consideration. I've had, I've had, <laughs> you know, one time I totally forgot we were having betters replaced and these people are clanking and banging and I'm looking at the person in the Zoom meet. I'm like, I am so sorry. Can you hear that? <laughs> so don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. That's the nice okay. thing about a podcast is that it's like, it's not really a polished production. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, um, you know, back to your question with the stigma, it's definitely still here and alive. Um, it's definitely not as bad as I would say as we've gone through the years, but um, there's definitely still moments where I myself am constantly trying to break the stigma by either wearing a cannabis shirt out and about or just getting in the community. And I have those people who are really interested and they want to know, or I get the, you know, the thumbs up and the smile. And then you also have your people who kind of make that look and want to look the other way. But, you know, those are my favorite type of people to stop, you know, and educate and have those hard conversations. Um, so while it's still living and is existing, definitely not only in Florida, throughout the states, I do see it getting better and um, people advocating more and just speaking up and using their voice to end that stigma around the plant. That's cool. That's cool. I haven't. I, I haven't been to any events yet. I haven't been to any events in the state of Florida yet, but just going to dispensaries, I definitely see a, a range of people. I mean, I see a range yeah. of people in the dispensaries and uh, that's cool. That's cool to see. Everybody's usually pretty friendly in there and, and uh, quiet mostly <laughs> until they get up to the, to the bud tender or the uh, uh, associate or whatever you want to call them. And, and then people usually open up, but yeah, it's, it's been uh, for me, I don't see, I, I'm not in the industry the way you are, so I don't have the same observations, but I definitely think that, um, that the seniors are having an impact down here. I think the seniors and the vets are having an impact down here and people with pain. I mean, were you, uh, were you born and raised in Florida? You said you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was raised here since I was three. So I definitely claim myself as a native Florida girl okay. all day. Uh, but originally, I was from Port Huron, Michigan. So I grew up uh, in Port Huron. Well, actually, St. Clair. So I got to see, you know, Canada across the water. <laughs> um, but, you know, Florida girl, definitely, you know, you start to really take things in, I think, at the age of three um, and forward. So that's most of my memories. So that's funny, Hillary, because I was born and raised in Michigan. I was born and raised in East Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> oh, family. <Yeah. laughs> And in one of my units in the Coast Guard was uh, I was on the Detroit River and we'd go by St. Clair wow. all the time. So, yeah, that's awesome. I know. That's kind of funny. So, um, so yeah, my observations aren't, aren't going to be the same, but uh, but but as a consumer or a patient and um, and it's it's a. Uh, I see a lot of people in the dispensaries from a lot of different walks, and that's what's that's what's nice. I've even seen one person. I would say brave enough because I would say brave enough. And, I, and it's because I'm sure the person, I don't know, I don't know what they're thinking, but I imagine some people would be very hesitant to bring a child into a dispensary. Mm -hmm. And I saw a parent in the dispensary with a child and it was, it was, it was not a, it was not a thing. I don't know. It was, it was, we could, I could think she was, I think it was a woman. She, I think she was, uh, I think she was a little nervous about having her child there. 
I think she's wanting over a little nervous about whether or not I was going to speak to her or not, really, because she yeah. and I were in there, right? And uh, I think that's what she was more nervous about, whether or not I was even going to speak to her or how I was going to speak to her. And we started having a conversation. It was nice. So it was cool. So those are, those are, that's usually how I. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, you know, at one point I worked in a dispensary myself and, you know, dealing with the patients one-on-one, I really loved it. Um, and it, like you said, it's a diversity of people, uh, elderly, children, parents, you know, sisters, friends. And so, you know, especially with the kids, I think it's really important to raise them without the stigma around it, especially while using it. Um, myself, I take my daughter into dispensaries with me. She's aware what cannabis is. I, you know, she's educated because, you know, me and her father both work in it. And just like I would treat, you know, or anybody would treat a glass of wine, we treat cannabis the same, but also with education behind it um, from the eyes of medicinal property. And yeah, I agree. I agree. I definitely agree. So um, I don't know, do you have a, what do you, do you have any observations or thoughts on, on what the stigma looks like across the nation, United States? Um, yeah, um, it's definitely still there. Uh, it's, it's living, <laughs> it's existing. Um, I think more or less the people are ready for it. You know, we're ready, ready for it to be decriminalized. We understand um, it's a plant. But when we start looking at the stigma on a state level with a lot of these places and federally, uh, it's there, it's existing. Um, and it's very frustrating, uh, as you know, because we have big corporations like Budweiser or, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, just to see the disconnect and the stigma around it is disturbing. And sometimes I often question, uh, is it the stigma or is it just the, the power um, in the moves that it takes, but I would love to see the stigma break. You know, at one point we had those commercials where, you know, the chick was melting in the couch when she was smoking a joint. Um, and I often question, why can't we do something educational and positive, you know? Um, Cause I really believe that would help a- across the States. I've not seen that commercial before. I remember the one from a, of a, of a, uh, like a angry dad talking to a, a young son and there's a frying pan and it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like, it, 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 you can tell it's a disciplinary scene commercial, oh, right? Yes. It's like, this is yeah. your brain and this is your brain on drugs. And they throw the, the egg in there and it's frying. And then there's something like any questions or something like that. So I, 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 that's the one I remember. I didn't remember the one where the person's smoking a joint and they're melting into this couch. That's kind of. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I really think the stigma lays with these physicians and these psychiatrists because they're not taught the endocannabinoid system. That's not something that they're learning. Um, and I have vivid memories of um, when I was younger and I was go see my psychiatrist and I would always, you know, tell her I was 13, 14. Like when I smoke weed, you know, cause at the time I didn't know the word cannabis. I didn't understand it was medicinal. I told her, you know, it helps me and it calms me. And it was this push of it's the devil's lettuce and printing out all this information on how it fries your brain and can, you know, really just ruin you and hurt you. And I will never forget that. And always feeling so conflicted uh, inside because I knew what it was doing for me. And I just totally felt aligned with the plant. Um, And to have someone tell me that quite the opposite was, you know, really hard. I'm trying to digest. And I look back now and I don't blame her and it's not her fault. It's definitely comes back to the fact again, 
that we were aware and still are not teaching psychiatrists and physicians the endocannabinoid system and the true properties it has to offer. And so I really think that also lies uh, with the issue around the stigma. No, that's pretty good. That's, that's, thanks. That's, uh, that was great. I think you said that perfectly. It, it's, it's, um, you know, the funny thing about it is like, that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, um, when somebody gives you a laundry list of all the things that are bad for you about this plant. And those are people, people in charge of leadership and corporations and businesses and elected and appointed officials. And they, and, and the people of the, the citizenship, the constituents, the people are saying no more. And these elected officials, appointed officials, leadership and businesses and corporations and, and organizations and entities, I've got to try to walk all that back, right? I mean, think about that horrible laundry list of all the why you shouldn't ever use cannabis. And now they're trying to reverse it. You know, I mean, yes, that's, that's a, it's a mission. Yeah, that, that's, that's hard. You know, that's a really hard task. Yeah, you programmed individuals to believe something. And, you know, we all know deprogramming is a process in its own. I think we all do it every day as we evolve and grow as individuals. Um, but, it, and I, again, I, it goes back to the stigma and why it's still so heavy is, you know, deprogramming and trying to go backwards of what you've been taught um, is uncomfortable. Yeah, but cannabis can make it more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> cannabis can make it more comfortable and that's the cool yes, thing it about it <clears throat> that's the cool thing about it all right so i uh i uh i'm going to make sure i follow the, because i rarely really hillary i really want to jump to the second advocate because i can i don't know i just after you after reading your bio and talking to you i was like wow i almost felt like we should have done this in reverse maybe i'll think about that for a future episode but okay we're almost there do you want to tell anybody, don't tell everybody about anything you have going on in the near future projects of rest of 2022 or going into 2023? Yeah. So um, right now I'm really, you know, after working on the cannabis corporate side, as well as mom and pop, um, and just kind of seeing the disconnect, uh, not only for patients, um, but education uh, around legalization, decriminalization, and just how things work with voting. I really recently uh, have had a calling to really educate myself as well as the community um, because our votes matter. And a lot of these corporations are um, not doing us any favors. Um, they're not producing quality medicine. Um, a lot of them, I shouldn't say all of them. Most of them aren't producing the quality medicine that we deserve, uh, but also are funding situations to where we can't have our own grow. Um, we can't decriminalize it. And so for a long time, I had this mission to really legalize cannabis, but I've come into recently that I want to decriminalize it because all legalization is, is um, legalization is all it is, is um, prohibition with exceptions. 
and that exceptions come with money. And that is my problem. Um, and so I've been really focusing on the political side and educating myself from the very bottom. I'm talking high school government, taking my time, working my way up and really truly educating myself because I'm angry. <laughs> I know what we deserve as patients, uh, as you know, as well as our freedoms. Um, and so I'm super excited, just keep diving in and educating and learning so I can start to put out educational information for the patients as well, because no one's going to know unless someone speaks up and really starts to push that into people's face and utilizing their platform. So that is what I'm working on and really focusing on. And I'm just super excited to uh, be a voice, but also be a whistleblower in the long run. You know, it's really, that's interesting. The way you said uh, legalization is really prohibition with exceptions. And I get it. I get what you're saying there. And this is where, this is where, this is where I find the, I don't, I I don't have, I I have all the ins and outs, but it kind of seems like states were willing to take a try, but I don't know. I I have no idea what kind of research they've done and, and, and going that way, or even the federal government in terms of not research, but planning really. Right. It's kind of like, wow, this is a big deal. And, uh, the way you said that, legalization is really prohibition with exceptions. It was interesting because I, I, when you said that, I was like, yeah, I get what you're saying completely. And, I, and the, on the, at the same time, I also enjoy some of the protections that regulations bring on. And, and, and I'm not talking about the cannabis industry. I'm talking about um, or, or like in daily life, right? That's what I'm talking Correct. about. So I'm not yeah. cannabis industry. I'm just talking in daily life. So, and that's where I'm like, oh man. And, and and that's also because it's human beings doing it, right? We're we're none of us are perfect. People are going to be people are going to be open to people are going to be open to abuse, to greed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and and that's where I get what you're saying. It's like, yeah, legalization is prohibition with exceptions. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was that was great. I love the way you said that, Hillary. That was cool. I um, just want to say that. Um... I'll never forget the first time I heard that uh, Mark Emery, he is a huge advocate. Oh, uh, he said that? Yeah. Out okay. Said, yep. <laughs> yep. And thank he, you for giving credit. Said, that's cool. That's that's integrity right there. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, I'll never forget when I listened to his live and I heard that and it resonated with me and it was like a whole fire had lit under my ass and I messaged him and I was like, wow, like you, that's exactly like, that's it right there. You know, it's, ridiculous the fact that someone in Florida to want to open a dispensary um, costs them millions but other states you know it only costs them a couple thousand and so um, I agree I think that somewhere along the line we need to make sure we're not giving people um, bad medicine um, and, and making sure that it is quality because there are harmful things inside plants that you know whether it's mold or pesticides and things like this um, but that's again goes back to my frustrations because we see here in the Florida market these dispensaries going through third-party testing and they're still managing to push out mold to these patients they're still managing to um, not produce the best quality um, and so I think that's where it comes into play when it's important to be able to either grow yourself or have your mom and pops because it's quality over quantity. 
um, and really focusing on that medicine and who's growing it and the intentions behind it um, and really being about the plant and the people. And this is, and, and you're absolutely right. Cause this is where all, this is where the, the allure of all those dollars flies in the face of all that rhetoric. Right. Mm-hmm. And now the States want the dollars and the federal government will eventually say, yeah, we want those dollars too. And they're saying, okay, it's almost kind of like, forget the rhetoric, just give us the dollars. And in yep. talking with people from Canada, they've, they've uh, expressed um, disappointment. I'd even say some of them might be, I'll just say disappointment. I don't want to make any of them sound angrier than they may be, mm-hmm. but definitely disappointment at the federal government's abandonment of medical research for marijuana. They, mm-hmm. as soon as the recreational side opened up, they, a lot of them are saying that they, the federal government just said, okay, it's making more money. Why, why spend money on medicinal stuff when we're making money? And that, you know, if you don't allow people to grow, if you, if you allow people to grow, okay, it's business. But if you don't allow people to grow and you're forcing them to consume that thing, much like you said in that, that, that statement, then it is definitely prohibition with exceptions. And it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. But which also makes what you're doing very important because you are in, you're, you're, you're engaging. You're engaging, you're engaging in a lot of different areas, physically, digitally, all kinds of places. And it's, it's education-based and that's, that's all I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I, I want to do is educate and empower. You know, cool. and anything that you know that I do or focus on it, and not just cannabis. You know, but it's it's important. You know, and um, I hope to continue. And I know that you know my beliefs and things that I think now might not necessarily you know six months from now be the same either as I grow and start to educate and learn more. And so I just want people to be a part of this process um, and grow with me and uh, just open up, you know, their voice uh, and use it. All right, Hillary. Now I'm going to finally get to that past, your past and the future thing. All right. Because I've been, when I read that in your bio, I was like, you that, that, that statement, I'll just put it like that. That statement definitely caught my, caught my attention. And uh, what, I, I, you know, I'm not asking you to go into any details, but um, what was going on? If you don't, if, it's up to you. You know, I'm not asking. I'm an open book. I was going to say it'll okay. be hard not to get details from me. <laughs> All right. That, whatever you want. I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to pry, but it's like, uh, what was going on that, that um that brought you to that point where you're like you know what i have a better understanding of what was going on in me in the past now and i can see a better picture of me going into the future yeah um so that's a really deep question and that's a, that's I a know, good question. but it, yeah. yeah so yeah. like i said like i said it's a you know how you i'm not yeah you know, no absolutely about. Yeah. Um, you know, I, had to, I, I struggled for a long time, you know, just not, not only uh, physically from my ailments, but uh, emotionally and just trying to find my purpose and myself in this world. You know, I, I've known since I was born that I was here 
to uh, help people and, and connect them and make a difference. And for so long, I struggled to know what that looked like. I mean, I've done so many things in my life um, from trying to make people feel beautiful uh, to working in rehab facilities to um, telling my story from my past. Um, and along the way, cannabis was always a big part of me. And at that time it wasn't legal, um, but I was still educating and I was still putting it in front of people and letting them know what it had to offer. Um, but I think the pivotal point in my life was, you know, my emotional state. I kept giving so much of me um, and my knowledge of what I did know um, and trying to help that I, I kind of lost and forgot myself along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I hit that point in my life, it was I really had to repress, you know, I had to press that restart button and start all over uh, because I knew I wasn't headed in that direction that I wanted to be going in. Um, and so when I really disconnected and tapped into myself and started to, you know, meditate and prayer and um, focus on what I wanted, I feel like is when everything really, truly uh, started to align for me. Um, and nothing was going to stop me from knocking on doors or tapping on shoulders. Uh, I, I found to open up my voice and use it and not be scared anymore. And so when that happened for me, doors truly started opening. And I know that it had to do with the work that I did and was looking in within and loving myself through that process. That's cool. That's cool. And, and, um, the, the, what do you think about the future? I'm excited. Um, I would be lying if I said there aren't days where I'm like, whew, where am I going? Like, where is this going? Um, but every day I wake up and I feel blessed and I, and I you know, I, I feel like I'm doing my part um, and I look forward to the future and what it holds. I'm not sure exactly what that is just because I'm constantly shifting and learning and moving, but um, I do know that I will always be a voice for those who can't um, because my voice for so long was closed. Um, and so while I take in the future, I'm excited for opportunities, meeting people um, and just being a part of this world. Community is everything to me and it offers so much. And so I think as long as I have community, <laughs> I'm going to be just okay, no matter where I'm at in the future. That's cool. That's very cool, Hillary. That's very cool. All right. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to the questions that that uh that you got. Were you raised with any type of religion or or worldview or philosophy or type of belief system? Yes, um, so I actually was neighbors to my pastor and my church was behind my house. Okay. And uh <laughs> We were very that must have made that must have made being a 13 year old who's using marijuana very interesting too. Oh yeah. So by the time so that by that time we didn't live, you know, on that property anymore. But okay, all right. Just know, checking. Was I wasn't sure. I was like, wow, this is gonna be a really interesting story. <laughs> I'm sure it still is gonna be very interesting. Oh, uh, for sure. I uh so I grew up Pentecostal. Okay. Which, yeah, when people hear that, they're like, "Whoa, Pentecostal!" Like, swinging well, you know from the what, what, when, so so for the for people who may not understand or have an idea of not, I'm not asking you to go over everything they believe, but like 
Mm-hmm. When you like when you said that, when you said, yeah, when people go, when I say Pentecostal, people go, oh, what are you thinking of that they're thinking of? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So typically, you know, Pentecostal. Pe- <laughs> so Pentecostal, it's very open. Um, a lot of people, when they hear Pentecostal or they talk about it, they know that it's, you know, speaking in tongues. Um, you know, when it's, you know, praise and worship, it's the whole dancing up and down the aisle, hands in the air, you know. Uh, it can be really intense, very high energy. Um, and there's a lot that, that goes behind it. Um, but yeah, that's typically what they think of, you know, it's, it's intense. Okay. So you, yeah. in, so you, okay, go ahead. I interrupted you. I'm sorry, Hillary, go ahead. No, you're totally fine. Um, so growing up, you know, Pentecostal, I had a very, very close relationship with God. Um, and it's, you know, similar to Christianity, uh, again, it's just, for me personally, I think it's just more intense, um, and again, speaking in tongues, uh, which you won't see in other churches typically. Um, but, you know, growing up, I had a very close relationship with God. I mean, I lived behind the church. I remember growing up and being in the church multiple times a week, whether it was for my mom, cause she worked with the younger teens for joy bells or if it was, we were out there, you know, practicing over band. Um, and throughout the years, you know, we did shift religions. It went from Pentecostal to non-dominational. Um, and so I, I grew up in the church. It was, that was community. And I think that's why I am so community-based now, uh, but not so much in a religion, uh, but within the people of a local space. Um, and so I'm so blessed that I, I was raised um, to believe in God. Um, and this is one of the things that I think um, I love about freedom is your kid eventually can choose what they believe or not. Um, but because I was raised to know that God was there and I could always rely on him, I was never alone. I was never alone. And I remember feeling that security from the age of four, you know, all the way up until I started to have Um, those pivotal points in my life where I started to question and wonder, you know? Okay. So that's actually the next one. How, how has your, uh, how has your belief system changed since then? So I am very spiritual every day. Um, As I get deeper and I learn, um, I believe absolutely there is a higher power. um, And I believe, and I call that higher power God. Um, I don't, really stick to a religion. Um, I love to read about different religions. I think it's very interesting. Um, but yes, very spiritual. Um, and just knowing that I can rest in God and I have him, but also again, not having that religion behind it because I just, I have so many questions. Um, and you know, I was taught so many things and, uh, as we evolve or I evolve, really, I start to feel more and start to understand from all points of views and, as I learn more and more about religion, it all seems like it comes back to this one source and it's all just written differently. Um, And and it's a beautiful thing and going through it and um, decoding it has been very interesting. I'm curious, what about yourself? Uh, About, for which part? For religion, like where where are you at with that? Oh, religion? I, I definitely uh, believe that Jesus is who he says he is and loves me the way he says he loves me. And how I got to that point, 
that could take a long time telling that story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yes. that's where I am right now. I haven't always been there though. No. Um, uh, yeah, I was raised with religion too. Um, Catholic and Mormon. My parents were Catholic when I was born. I was baptized Catholic as a baby because that's what they do to babies. And uh, yep. then they converted to Mormonism. And there, I there was there. I mean, I, I don't. I got still got friends that that are. I know I know people and I know they love me and they and I love them. So I don't mean them any disrespect or any harm. But there's a book that that uh, <clears throat> that it's like a, it's called what's it called the Book of Mormon, right? And the guy, mm-hmm. some folks did a comedic play about that, right? So in that book, there uh, they talk about uh, the, the author of it, Joseph Smith. Yeah, it was, it was a fictitious book. Uh, said that one of the punishment. Oh, it's all about uh, Jesus. Jesus presenting himself after his crucifixion here in the states, here in the Americas, right? And uh, there's a group of people called the Lamanites, and they they did some they sinned, and one of their punishments was to make their skin darker. And I remember asking my parents why God would think that dark skin would be a punishment. And I was younger than ten. And uh, they, they didn't have an answer. And I don't, I'm not mad at them. I, I don't even know if they knew it was in there at that time. You know, it's you're in Sunday school. Other adults are teaching your kids about stuff that, and that's kind of like, you know, you, you got to be careful with that. And um, that's, uh, so they said they didn't have an answer. And they, uh, they said, uh, you should pray about it. And I don't remember praying, but I remember putting my hand up and saying, this ain't for me. And it's because that was a lie, right? I mean, that was fiction. That was yeah. that was a, a human being's abuse of Christ. And, yes. And in that abuse, they wanted to basically, you could call it psychologically, I wouldn't say spiritually, but it, end, it could end up being that, I don't know, psychologically, spiritually enslaving people to think that they're in some type of caste system. And that's the problem with, with uh, that I find with with uh, many denominations is that they bring the old covenant into the new covenant and they make it all about performance, and yeah. then they leave Christ completely out of it. They say His name all the time, but then they point to in the opposite direction. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying all churches are like that. I'm just saying that that's that's uh, my observation of many of them, or too many of them, I should say, too many of them. No, and, and it's I don't mean to cut you off, but it, you know, you're right, and I think you know, there's a part of me that still craves that community in a church. You know, I, I was raised in it. I loved it, you know, and it is hard to find a church that you can call home or a community uh, where you feel aligned or for me anyway, I think that's been my biggest struggle. And that's why I haven't found myself, you know, back um, in a church or in a community is, you know, I, as far as um, a spiritual pull. Uh, towards God. And, and that makes it difficult, I think, in its own um, moving through, um, you know, that spirituality and, you know, what all is out there. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and then you had a pandemic on top of it, right? So then you had a pandemic on top of that. People are going through, people are going, I think people are going through these things internally, whether they want to recognize it or not. I think that everybody has a bend. I think there's a reason, there are reasons why people have a bend towards justice and people have a bend towards mercy and people have a bend towards compassion. 
when something's done wrong to us, we definitely want justice. Mm. And, and where does like, how is that, how is that hardwired into our brains, you know? And, and this is where the next question comes in. I got a feeling I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay, Hillary. Yes. Do you believe that the universe and all the life in it is the result of a series of accidents? Because there are some Christians who believe in evolution. So it may not be accidents, but evolution. Um, or do you believe that, uh, or, or yeah, or, or do you believe that there's an intelligent designer behind it? Definitely an intelligent designer uh, behind it. That's where I stand. Um, I look around all the time at natures and the trees breathing and the, everything that's alive, the insects. I mean, even when I close my eyes, all the different animals I can hear, and it's just, it's incredible. And for me to sit there and say that this was an accident uh, just doesn't align with me. It's no way. There's no way. Not in my eyes. I agree. It's just too complex. And then you think about this cannabis plant and the fact that mammals have an endocannabinoid, can I always <laughs> endocannabinoid system. Yeah. So the ECS. I don't want to, I, I came from the military, so I, you know, I try to stay away from, I, I, I have grasped and held on to acronyms for years. And now I <laughs> kind of feel like just not using acronyms so much anymore. <laughs> I cannot, yeah, I don't blame you. So yeah, the endocannabinoid system. And then this plant just so happens to deliver, to deliver cannabinoids mm. in abundance. I don't think that's an accident. I don't yeah, think no. And that's just this plant, right? Not, there's many, many other things. But uh, right on. And I think it's interesting too, um, for those who are listening, um, you know, Genesis 112, I can't quote exactly, but, uh, you know, cannabis, uh, oil is definitely present, um, in the Bible, uh, for those who do read the Bible, um, and that's their practice. So it's interesting. Um, it's everywhere. (laughs) Right on, right on. Well, Hillary, if there's, if people, do you want to let people know how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm actually known as Canna Red on all social media. Uh, what was C-A- that again? Uh, Red. That's going to be C-A-N-N-A underscore Red, R-E-D. Um, that's where you'll find me on other social media platforms. And you can find me doing, um, you know, just a educational Cannabis 101 live podcast on Tuesdays at two o'clock um, on the relevant app so right on and how do you spell that one because it's, it's i'm not everybody we know understand the spelling yes yeah, so relevant is r-e-l-e-v-n-t um and you can find it on google or apple store uh and i do my podcast inside the weedapedia community so it's all things plant medicine veterans and so forth right on hillary thank you very much yeah, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thanks for your time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time too. You don't have to say yes or no. You- <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, I, I, I like having these questions be asked, you know, because again, I'm evolving every day and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to move through it. And so when these conversations happen, it's beautiful because I get to hear um, all different points of views. Um, and also while I talk and move through it, sometimes I take from it as well. So thank you for creating this space for us. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you for, thank you. Thank you for, for um, being as candid as you were about what you're going through. Cause that's not always, you know, not everybody's very comfortable doing that. And uh, 
So thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. It's nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host. And our special guest is Hillary Ferrara. Thank you all very much. Love you.